The Meet for TCAS is brought to you in part by SoneLab, a recording studio in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Offering recording, mixing, and mastering of all styles of music, we even master podcasts. Email info at sonelab.com for more information. That's info at sonelab.com. That's the record button. Have we started? We have started. So this is the Meet for TCAST. You might always start like that. Who knows? I'm Elizabeth McDuffie, founding editor of Meet for Tea, the Valley Review, and this is... I'm Mark Allen Miller, sidekick and uh, co-conspirator in Meet for Tea. Yeah, and I'm um, graphic designer and web guy and um, the host of the Cirques and a whole bunch of stuff. The hats, there are many. Hello, everybody. Hello, thanks for joining us for season two, episode 15 of the Meet for Tea cast. So the Meet for Tea cast, season two, episode 15, we have... Very special guests. We have Ernest Brute and Object Echo, a.k.a. Jim and Carl. I've published a fair amount of Ernest Brute's Writing and Ernest Bruton Object Echo have performed at 100,000 Poets events and Poetry, Prose, and Pints, and I believe also at a Meet for Tea Cirque when they were a Zicatane. I remember the poster. I think so, yes. And yeah. also on. They've been really involved. On a recent virtual Cirque as well. Yep, the last one. So that's what we have for you today. It's. Uh, it's quite straightforward. We've got some music from them as well, some, well, recordings. It's music and spoken word and, and their own special brand of, of those. Very specially, um, we have them improvising, and they're both remote in their homes on Zencaster talking with us, but we have them improvising a piece together. Well, provided it sounds good when I go to edit it. Because okay. you know how recording music over Let's Zoom hope can be. we can give you that, but if not, we have other stuff. But let's hope we can give you that. I think you'll have to stick around and find out. Yeah, well, there there it is. The suspense builds. <laughs> so I think we can just tuck pretty much straight into uh, Ernest Brute and Object Echo. Pitter patter. Let's get at her.
right. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us, Ernest Brute and Object Echo. Also known as Jim and Carl. Welcome yeah. to the Nice to have you with us. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. Thank you so much for doing this. Yes, thank you very much. We're psyched to have you. I'm trying to remember, Ernest Brute, when we first met, when you first came across my radar, as I recall, it was at an unbuttoned night. Was it at an unbuttoned night? Um, I think everything in East Hampton kind of converged at the same time. There was the book fair. There was a unbuttoned. And then I, I ended up at a Cirque. Maybe Tom Crean told me about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I realized that East Hampton is where it's at. <laughs> Still is, I hope. Yeah, no, it, it, we, we, it's all bubbling under right now being COVID times. <laughs> yeah. But yes. We, going underground. Or, or, or just going going online. Yeah. Going Zoom. Yeah, the um, first time I went to Cirque, I was just absolutely blown away. And uh, I just, lo I love the format. I love the uh, film. I love, um, I was in the, the brewery and um, the, the events that you did uh, related to it, like um, the poems and pints, just the, the whole, um, the whole feel of it was very exciting. I was just uh, lucky to be on board and part of it. So thanks again for that too. Yeah. No, I, I was thrilled to run into you. I think I actually ran up to you after you did a reading at, unbuttoned and put my business card in your hand and asked you to submit writing to meet for tea. Well, that's another fine venue as well. We definitely enjoy playing there with uh, all the instruments behind us. It's just good for photos. Oh, yeah. You could yeah. just pose pose on stage and not even perform. You, you, I, I wish someone would just get up there in vogue silently for an unbuttoned <laughs> night. I want to see that happen. Have a vogue night. That's going to be happening very soon when we come back. Yeah, I think Ernest Boot and Object Echo would be good people to make that happen. Just get up there Vogue. and <laughs> silently vogue for like five oh. minutes and then launch into an Object Echo I, performance. I people can know what I'm doing. At the... <laughs> I think the best thing is if they don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I'll just practice a little. Nice. Have, you no have you noticed in that room um, if there's like music that's, not too loud, so you can kind of hear all the ambience of the space, how yeah. all of the instruments on the walls resonate. Gosh, I don't think I've ever really noticed that. It, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's wild. If you Next time we're, we can be in there and listen to some music in there, If you particularly if you're sitting sort of against the wall, um, you know, like right against the back wall opposite the stage, mm -hmm. in front of all the guitars and stuff, you can, you can kind of hear them humming. They vibrate, the I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, they vibrate. Yeah, it's it's a marvelous with, thing. With frequencies and things. Huh. I feel like for our listeners who might be listening from parts far from here, we should let them know that this is um, Luthier's co-op we're talking about, yeah. which opened up their space for performances and Alice and Murchie's unbuttoned nights. And there are luthiers, so there's guitars and stringed instruments hanging yeah. on the wall, and there's tube amps. So it, it lends an ambiance to the audio, shall we say. It definitely does. Perfect lighting, and then the the, the new bar in the back is really cool, so just keeps it just keeps getting better and better. I know. I hope they come back from the plague bigger yeah. and better than ever before. 
Yeah, it's a unique place. I like what you're doing with the Cirques um, online, though. I think those are really cool. I think you're keeping it cool. You got to do what you got to do. And in plague times, you got to keep it virtual. Uh, I mean, there's so much going on right now virtually, like with, uh, I don't know, poetry and music. And um, I like puppetry a lot. There's puppet shows every night, it seems like. Now I have like four things a night to select from sometimes. There is so much. Tell us about the poetry thing you went to tonight. That sounds so amazing. Yeah, that was a Woodbury Poetry Room. Um, Where was Harvard, this? That's that's up at Harvard. Harvard, right? Yeah, and I, they, I've, I know about amazing readings, but I've never been to one of their virtual ones. Um, it was uh, Sonia Sanchez, uh, who's just amazing, and I, I love mm-hmm. her work. And that's the name that uh, attracted me. Um, but before her was a, a younger poet, and his name was Tongo, Tongo Ison Martin. And I had never, ever heard a poet read like this before in my life. Um, it, it was just, uh, he memorized everything. And he, he oh, must wow. have read for like 20 minutes. And it was so dense and, and vocab rich and the imagery was just he just line after line you were just trying to figure it out and he was already six lines ahead and in his mannerisms and and everything about it it was i've never ever i've like i said i just never seen a a a poet read like that before and um I, i don't know i was i was almost in tears and everybody was everybody was um commenting and in the chat and um it was just, it was lit. It was fire. It was beautiful. It was, it inspired me. That's high praise coming from you. Cause I've never seen a poet read like you before. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you. I, uh, I was thinking about, you know, knowing that we were going to talk, I was thinking about how that kind of fed my, my thirst of, of seeing somebody else do something different and thinking how we try to do different approaches and, how those converge in the world of poetry and what that means for us and, and what that means for the listener. Um, it, it was it, obviously that, that wasn't my style of reading, but it was still just as, as inspiring. And, and it could be something as simple as word choice, or it could be how he might've been looking down or, or I, I mean, I'm, I'm always thinking about. Yeah. It's a performance I, art. Yeah. yeah. How I look or what I'm looking at and, and so-and-so like that in the performance art aspect. So I was just kind of um, studying um, both of the poets and, um, and that, that made me think a lot too. Nice. Cool. Now you guys performed at our most recent virtual Cirque. You had a video up at that. Was it our most recent or was it December? I, I think recent. we did it a couple times ago. I don't think we were, we were ready to roll on that last one. So it was December. Yeah. It was uh, Le Cirque de Croquembouche. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, the, the new meat for tea, uh, I, I, I uh, have a poem in there, and I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about that. we got to get that into your hot little hands. Exactly. <laughs> we're working um, on it. Good. I just showed that to... Uh, to Carl and he was excited about it. And that's kind of our, our process is we, we, we sit down uh, at the table and I bring poems and he brings music and we, we try to figure out what we can do with it. You know, as long as you've segued off in that direction, do you want to talk a little bit about 
how you guys got together and how first Zikatane and now Ernest Boot and Project Echo began. Just like give us a bit of an origin yeah, was, story, so actually, to speak. That's where I the wanted origin. to go to because a lot of our on the same page. <laughs> a lot of our a lot of our listeners that may be uh, not familiar and now is the opportunity for them to be. I mean, they can go back and they can find some of your stuff, obviously, in a couple of virtual certs. We'll and link also, to some things in the show notes, too, of course. I think there's some stuff in prior podcast episodes as well. Yeah. Um, at oh. least of Ernest's work. Object Echo is the historian, so why don't you tell him <laughs> the whole history? Object. Nice. How handy. Uh I don't know. I don't know if it's that exciting of a story, although just we were friends for a long, long time. Um, and I knew that he was interested in poetry. He knew I was a musician and, and um, just through talking and uh, decided to kind of try something out together. So at first it was just an experiment. Uh, and I think I just brought over the Indian harmonium and, and um, he just put a poem out and we just tried to see what we could do with it. I started to play a little and he liked it. And then it just kind of went from there. Um, so originally it was just like the harmonium with poetry, spoken word, just sort of me as the background. And then gradually it became, uh, over the last few years, more collaborative, doing videos, doing electronic music, kind of branching out into other um, other influences, certainly, like even outside of music and poetry. Um, and it's really just a nice collaborative thing. It's sort of like looking in a mirror, you know, without having to look at myself a lot. You know, I'm very, very comfortable, <laughs> Jim. And... He always inspires me and he's, you know, I tend to be more of an introvert and he's sort of the, you know, the extrovert. And so, you know, it just, it just happens to work out. I think we balance each other out well. And, um, I, I think the, um, the project was created so we could feed the project, but the project fed us. I mean, yeah. I had to continue to create poetry so I could bring something to the table and Carl had to continue to make music and, and then it brought us to, places that we didn't expect and that was kind of the beauty of it that's magical just talking about art and music and our influences and sharing uh, you know all that stuff it's really i think we're both students too so we really learn a lot from each other and um you know we're just you know, it feels like just the beginning almost <laughs> i hope it is carl was the one to introduce me to uh many of the uh minimalist composers and um and then it just, it kind of went from there. I just couldn't stop. And I was like, you know about this guy? And Carl's like, yeah, of course I know about him. How about this person? Yeah. Do you know this, this woman? Yeah, of course I know her. And I'm like, I'm going to find somebody that Carl never heard of. And so now I'm kind of in that realm where I can bring a few artists and Carl's like, no, I never heard of them. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> can That's you tell great. us which yeah. artists, wait, let me guess some of the minimalist composers Carl was turning you on to. <laughs> So was it like Pauline Oliveros? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All the all the uh -huh. and John Cage, John exactly. Cage. Lou Harrison, class. class. Lou Harrison, all the way back to Charles Ives, and you know, I uh, love Charles the, Ives. Yeah, uh, Henry Cowell, John Cage, oh, yeah. Yeah, I Antile, love Henry Cowell. All of them, just a sort of uh, Henry Cowell. Yeah, and I, I hear but, Henry Cowell <laughs> you know, nowadays with. I'm consider myself kind of classically trained, but there's so much just crossover with everything. So it's just a very exciting uh, time to be working. <laughs> you know, this feels wide open. You can take from, uh, you know, different sources. And um, definitely. Jim, yeah. do you want to tell us what you surprised Carl with that he had not heard yet? 
I could probably answer that, but go ahead. <laughs> go, oh, or you can, Carl. No, no, I want I'm your voice what, to be I'll here, I'll see too. what Jim says. <laughs> All right, say it. Well, I was thinking of poets, you know, people that, like, were connected with movements that I had investigated. Um, maybe, like, Jackson yeah. uh, Mack Lowe I didn't know about, and he had a relationship with, like, Phil Niblock, who I knew. And so uh, that was just one that I was thinking of. Yeah, and, mm. and um, a, lot, a lot of Fluxus artists who kind Sorry, of fall yeah. in that... Um, range of um, minimalist composers um i but, know uh, the fluxus artists well i have a fluxus story a, a fluxus <laughs> story i do that sounds dirty tell us well this is supposed to be about you all talking <laughs> but um but i met a woman who went by Nye Farabas, but formerly she was Beachy Hendrix, who is married to John Hendrix yep. of the Fluxus Movement. And this is also a story of my own personal shame. Um, she had these alphabet cards she made, these two-word poetry cards she made, and um, she paid me to collate them. I, I never finished the cards sit in boxes in my attic to this day. So, really? Well, well, I'll be by this weekend. <laughs> no, no, they're, they're, they're very, very cool. They're amazing. This actually is a project that maybe we should consider digging out. And very good. I, I fear <laughs> that she might not be with us anymore because I was silly. Like I was doing my doctorate, but I was poor. So I'm like, I'll just get another job and I'll do my PhD and I'll teach classes and I'll, I'll make ends meet that way. <laughs> while single parenting a couple of kids at the same time. So I'm not really sure what sort of hubris had come over me. But anyway, um, there was a fluxus mass. It sounds familiar. At, um, at UMass. I, now I forget, or was it Amherst College? I think it was Amherst College. And I forget the building it was in. This was probably 19, no, 2001, hmm. 2002. And I went as her guest and my plus one was a very regrettable boyfriend, but it was wild because it was a full fluxus mass, the gorillas and the, the mass being told. And she made herself known as an in member by, you know, biting one of the greeters on the arm as we went in. And because I was our guest, I got invited to the fluxus dinner afterwards where I got to sit next to um, Carolee Schneebaum, who did Meet Joy. And this is before Meet for Tea, and Meet Joy did influence Meet for Tea. Yeah. And it was, it was snowy that night, and we, we had a... Yoko Ono was supposed to be in attendance, actually, and we had um, a note from her apologizing for her inability to attend because of the snowstorm. But she provided us with a blank canvas and exhorted us to enjoy our dinner and drinks. But when we're done, to please take whatever we had not finished and smear it on the canvas, which would then be sealed and returned to Yoko Ono. <laughs> really? That's awesome. Oh, oh, this is a thing that happened That's that wild. I was <laughs> there to participate in. And uh, I'm jotting things down that I can possibly use in poems, and I, I just jotted down Fluxus Dinner. Flux's dinner. Nice. Flux's dinner. That that sounds really cool. Thanks for sharing that story. It, it, it was wild. I, I feel very, very sad to still have 
the um what were they called the language boxes language boxes yeah I the language so. boxes mm-hmm. i still have them um some some of which are collated but i i don't know how i thought i'd have um children and a doctorate i was working on in classes to teach but i needed to earn more money so i'm like i'll just take this on and i'll do this somehow it's like a it's like a thousand or two boxes worth of cards i think whoa wow you know what it's we fake. should we should set up a party and just I do think, the thing. Yeah, I think this is a we could do a uh, Ernest it, Brew Object Echo performance uh, related to him as well. We yeah, should. Yeah, we would but love it's, to. It's weighed heavily on my conscience <laughs> for a while, but at the same time, I, I was a single mom trying to do a PhD, which I think I always suffered from this hubris of thinking I could just do everything. Yeah, we would. Um, we would set up a table and, and the piece would be called a Flexus Dinner. And we would eat food and do the performance related to the cards. I like it. This is a future plan for for <laughs> um for once we're all vaccinated. Yes. Okay. I I'm yeah, soon. I don't know if you can see that we're we're doing a pinky swear right now. <laughs> Thank That's you. happening. Pinky swear. I'm doing one with you then. Thank I'm you. doing a solo pinky swear. Yes, pinky swear. Pinky, four, four-way pinky square. Uh, pinky square. That sounds so kinky. Four-way four pinky, four pinky square. All right, I'm going to jot that one down. That's good. This is- <laughs> I'm glad you're getting ideas. Four-way pinky swear. Four-way pinky swear. There will be some weird poem out of this. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm I'm excited to hear it. You should probably read it at the end of this podcast. <laughs> if ooh, it's ready by ooh. then. Live, and live if Carl components. has harmonium ready, he oh, could accompany it. it. Carl breaks out the ooh, harmonium. We could have a live Ernest Bruton object echo thing happen right here and now on the podcast. I'm wild for that. If 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 Zencaster allows it to be recorded without glitching, that'd be awesome. I could go um, get it. Yeah, I could go set up. I wanted to uh, that that would be rad. I, wanted I would to, like that. While we're sort of still on the topic of sort of poetry and music, I wanted to see if either of you know of the the band Clipping. Clipping. Yes. Of course. I do okay. not. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah, you do. I I, I uh played that for we you. That's one of those things that I shared for Carl. It's one of the dudes for, dudes from Hamilton. Yeah, what's it, Dav- David Diggs? Yes. Yep, yeah. David Diggs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a rad, rad project. They they do some wild sound work in I there. I think it is too. Hmm. Yeah, it's, I like it a lot. Yeah, music musically, it's it's astounding. Experimental hip hop, mm-hmm. and you know, I would say it, it's hip hop poetry, but it's not. I mean, it is, but it's not. It's. They've carved their own thing, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm, I think it's really avant-garde. I think it it's like kind of old, new avant-garde. Oh, what's that one record that just, <laughs> it's just, you, you can't listen to it passively. You have to listen to it. Well, I think that's kind of all their stuff. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go look up that title. I'll be right back. You can picture yeah. the cover. <laughs> the cover's crazy. I'll hang out with you in the meanwhile. So you've been really active, earnest, Doing a bunch of stuff with this project, um, Snuffbox. Say that again. Well, you've been really active doing a lot of stuff visually. Visually, yeah. With yeah. this project called Snuffbox. Yeah. Snuffbox, yeah. It's uh. And Carl, you're part of Snuffbox too, and I want to hear. Yeah, I am now. That's uh, yeah. I'm grateful to be. I, I love uh, on the that. You, 
That keeps working yeah. that way. I, I was really sad. I missed buying that limited run of the. Oh, there's music. plenty more. I can, uh, I got you for one if you'd like. <laughs> Aw, I, I really yeah. wanted to, but at the time I was busy just. Um, well, I just originally I made that money. just as a out of necessity for myself, and then decided to share it with friends and family. And Jim and and uh, his wife liked it so much, and I was grateful they made it official by putting it out. So it's it's a uh, that was really exciting, yeah. But that was you're talking about sort of the visual art thing that I I think like I showed Jim music stuff. We got into graphic scores, and then he sort of went into that area, and then that inspired me back. You know, sort of talking about that mirror idea um i love this yeah you guys are through the looking glass all the way <laughs> yeah so it's uh yeah it's yeah it's um and it's related to the artists again that i, I shared with carl there's one burn porter who does um visual poetry through um like clipping of um mm -hmm. uh like advertisements in old newspapers and diagrams and it's it fluxes again nice but it's a book filled with it. And that, and Carlo was doing that with his graphic score um, because there's literal music and then there's very far out music and there's graphics in it. And it's, and again, the reason why we started the project is to help each other um, um, create. And when uh, Carl put that in front of me, I was just absolutely, absolutely blown away I, I think it's a masterpiece so i can't wait to share it with you as well because uh i'm i'm psyched to be uh, associated with carl just oh. for that reason alone it's it's really that good please don't stop i'm psyched that you're associated with, with each other <laughs> yeah. it's um that's why we're doing it that's why we're doing it and it's uh it's really um fun to uh perform uh, we um we, uh, I, I get, we would say we're definitely obviously experimental, but we, um, we were, are not, um, improvisational. Uh, we, we practice a lot and we, we, uh, pretty much know what we're going to be doing when we, we perform. So, um, there's a lot of rehearsing and a lot of thought that goes into it. Um, there's only a few pieces that we have that are improvisational. Yeah. There are a couple that we recorded sort of in one take as an improv piece. And then that became, uh, that became the piece that we performed then live a few times too. Um, so yeah, it's always different. I mean, I, he was talking about the process. It's also getting together with just recording equipment and, um, just to kind of see what happens. <laughs> uh, that's been a lot of fun too. Just like doing our own recordings at home and, um, yeah, just learning about that process too. It's all, it's all different areas that we're sort of exploring still. So this is a constantly evolving thing. It seems like a, a real symbiosis. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's one of the words that we um, use a lot is our, our evolution. If it's our, I don't know if it's it's our, if through our name change and our, our own personal names and um, our work. And we just continue to move forward. And this past year has been kind of transformative for everyone. And mm -hmm. it feels like we've, uh, we're evolving and starting new also in a way um a lot of it now is uh just very conceptual um for example we on um uh band camp i think we have one two three like seven like eight releases wow and um so we were going through and like if we picked like our best of like if we were like best of the eagles or something <laughs> there is no eagles. such thing <laughs> that was our inspiration was the eagles um, 
gold. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. We, we sat down. We just had a lot of fun. Like, which ones would we pick? And, and it, that process alone was just a, a really fun conversation we had back and forth. And then all of a sudden, I had this new poem and it hit me. I go, why don't we just take every single one of our pieces on Bandcamp and just play them all at the same time for the beginning? Whoa. <laughs> and it'll turn into this wacky, free jazz sounding thing that I kind of heard yeah. in my head. And I'll rant poetry over it. So Carl okay. sat there and put all the files together. And actually, when he clicked play, it was not a free jazz. It was the most wild, most far outside sounding, coolest thing. And it sounded like space noise. And, ah. and to me, it was like those recordings like up in space. It was like, it could or have been sun raw. I mean, just extremely dense. And, you know, I was going to say, yeah, yeah I was going to say, yeah. it sounds to me, if it's more than a handful of tracks, oh, yeah. like 10, 12, 14, 20 tracks, you layer them all together and it's going to fill up the audio spectrum in a way that's going to be just an undulating pile of modulated Whoa. noise. That's exactly what <laughs> it's pretty you much a good description. outmoded drugs. People could just listen to your band camp now. For like 20 drugs. seconds of it, you could kind of hear snippets of like individual tracks and then it just all kind of washed together. So it did have sort oh. of a structure to it. Um, but yeah, I love this. Yeah. It just, uh, it, it was actually, Jim said, I sat there for a while putting it all together. I was sort of conscious of like, oh my gosh, how is this going to work? Like, you know, in terms of the audio and getting all the levels. And so I think I only piled up, I don't think I used everything, but it was probably about 15 to 20 tracks, I think. Right. Yeah. Well, then we talked about releasing that as like a, uh, extra track on a EP coming up. So we might do yes, that. Please. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we've been working on a lot during this pandemic. I know that a lot of, uh, artists uh, at least artist friends of mine uh, there's the whole spectrum some people have not really touched anything and they just haven't felt inspired but um i know carl and i have been working really hard we've been finding this uh, an, as an opportunity to kind of go underground and good when, for you when yeah. things are ready we're, get, we're gonna be ready we're gonna be waving the flag it took us a little while i think to kind of get together again and what what sort of a yeah. flag a, a jolly roger <laughs> um no <laughs> we're, a, we're, a white flag I don't like the word jolly because we're pissed. Oh, uh, <laughs> an angry Roger. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, definitely angry. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, we're, 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 we kind of... Uh, pissy Roger flag. We're, we're, we try to, and besides being conceptual and experimental, uh, we try to go very political and social justice issues. And mm -hmm. it's, it's I there. appreciate that. Yeah. We, um, one of our, our, our first pieces was... Um, I was reading uh, a thread on Facebook uh, right when Obamacare um, came out, mm. and, and and somebody's like, "Wow, this is great!" and and everybody's like, "This is super!" And then all of a sudden, this one person's like, "Yeah, well, now your taxes are going to go up." And so all of a sudden, I start I started to hear Peter and the Wolf, and I oh, started, how perfect! Yeah, and I, I was like, literally, just popped into my head, and all of a sudden, all the the animals were talking. Then the wolf would come in; it would be like the conservative, <laughs> and like try to like bring everybody down. So I was like, Carl, this has to be a piece. So he got all the samples of all the the animal sounds, and he would play those while I was reading the thread of the Facebook, uh, the For Facebook thread. <laughs> and uh, again, one. It was one of those things where we finished it, like, wow, this is crazy, weird, but. We'll see. Yeah. It's political. And then at the same time, people laugh because they understand the humor. 
there should be a rock opera <laughs> like with different characters being the duck and Peter and the huntsman <laughs> and the wolf. Well, the only problem with a lot of our work though, is it gets outdated very quickly. I mean, doing like Obamacare uh, pieces right now are kind of um, not the, uh, we should be doing pieces about the wall or tearing down the wall. Yeah. I don't know. You know what Where's I'm saying? More? Yeah. Mass shootings against Asians and, and oh uh, random people in supermarkets. God. Yeah. Uh. We did um we did that piece for you in November where um Carl droned and that was like an eight minute piece and, and I was saying all the senators' names, the Republican senators who are Buddha. That was so good. That was our that's one of our EPs now. It's actually uh, yeah, yeah, we we Ooh, recorded we've gotta put the link in the show yeah. notes. So I think it was originally a uh Listeners like, can get it. Yeah, it was like an improvised piece. I think it was even improvised for that for that uh, that airing. Yeah, and uh, so that's kind of outdated too because those senators, all those senators, aren't in office right now. It's still it still applies, but I mean things move so quickly. Yeah, no, I, I relate. I relate. I I released. I haven't done much since since December, but twenty twenty, particularly when. My studio was really, really slow during the shutdown. I was writing a lot making of material. Making albums a lot. I did a lot of singles. I've been making art. Nice. But I did, I did a couple, a couple, and tra- magazines. Yes, and magazines. <laughs> I did a couple tracks. Um, well, an EP around June, and then another track a little later on that were very politically, you know, tied into what was happening. If literally. you're not politically motivated now, yeah. you're not motivated. But it was happening. Like, <laughs> I'm just t- going to say it. It was tied into what was happening at the moment. And I know very well that the lyrics on a couple of those songs are going to be pretty dated, but I still think that hopefully the message will, you know, carry forward. So I would, I was going to apply that to what you're doing. It's like, okay, yeah, Obamacare is kind of old news, but it isn't because it's still something that is hotly contested. Mm-hmm. We still right. don't have yeah. health care for all. True. I'm still waiting to get vaccinated because I'm apparently at the, Young, fresh age of 58. Really? Yeah. You, you didn't know that? Yeah, I'm old as fuck. No, I'm surprised you haven't gotten uh well, I'm surprised that your age, of course, but I'm surprised you're not vaccinated. Well, I don't have enough comorbidities. I should probably eat more, I guess. You should, you should go get in line at CVS right now. I should go get fatter. <laughs> if I was obese, I'd be eligible tomorrow. I have asthma, but that's all I have for comorbidities and they don't recognize autoimmune disorders, so. Mm. I think as as of this week, it, they're opening it up to where you can pre-register. Anybody can pre-register. Yeah, so it's happening here. Yeah. I can uh, try to get obese in the next few well, days. Wasn't there wasn't know, there a state that had like if anyone had been a smoker? <laughs> it was like, did you see that in the news? They were like, offered, if anyone had ever been a smoker, yeah, in their it was a sort of r- ridiculous criteria. It was like North Carolina or South Carolina or something. Yeah, I can't remember. Well, Virginia. Uh, of course, Virginia. I was. A, I have been a smoker in my life, but I don't know how that. Yeah. What? Yeah. Did well, anyone I, make it through adolescence without smoking? Yeah, ever? I mean, that, that was people's response. Was like, that's pretty much everyone who lived through the nineties. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I came up as a punk rock girl in the eighties. Yeah, we smoked. Yep. You yeah. couldn't go to CBGBs without a cigarette in your hand. They wouldn't let you in. You can go to CBGBs without just being a secondhand smoker completely anyway. <laughs> and you didn't have filters on those things either, damn it. <laughs> not, not if you didn't want to be called a wuss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It had to be caramel unfiltered or else. <laughs> the um, Speaking of the vaccination, I 
refuse to put any words about the pandemic in any poems right now, though. I don't know why. Good. No, good. You know what? Maybe, maybe, too, so, maybe too soon or something. I don't know. Not because they're dated. I just feel like everybody's kind of doing that. I just don't feel like it's something new. I don't know. No, if it's if it's not lighting a fire in your brain, you should definitely exclude it. I, mean, I think that's the criteria. If it doesn't do anything for you creatively, exclude it. Yeah. It's not the thing. I, th- I think in the first month or two, I did a, a graphic score of some really far out work Whoa. that was inspired by the by the pandemic, and then I just haven't touched it once. We yeah. should maybe have some artwork clips to put with this episode. I want to see some. So you very generously, and I, I owe you a huge gratitude and debt, did a big old full page ad for an exhibit you're going to have that was in the December issue right before the pandemic. Oh, the hit. December 2019 <laughs> issue. Sure. Yes. Yeah. And thank goodness, like by the hair of our teeth, you kept us in print. <laughs> and then I felt so bad because the pandemic hit. Oh, we owe you one. That's what it is. And the show didn't happen. And good, we, a good faith one when when it does happen again. No, that's all right. I'm all, I'm I'm happy to uh, help you, and you help me. That's kind of a uh, it's our symbiosis. It's. Yes. Uh, I, I think um, I told you about what my artist friend. Oh, yonder nod. Yeah, yeah, yonder nod said to me years ago as I was buying one of his art things from him after he'd kind of done an art poster for me. And he's like, you know, we here in this little art community just keep handing the same $5 bill around all the changes <laughs> who gets to hold it. That's, <laughs> uh, keep it. Yeah. That's really cool. I like that. Same $5 bill. Same $5 bill. Like you're holding it this week, pass it on. <laughs> the main thing is you pass it around. That's a thing that certain people don't get is you can't just get that one and try to take others. You're supposed to pass it around. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's frustrating sometimes, but that's all part of the game. I know I, if there's a poet out there on the street doing type of poem, or if somebody's uh, at a art fair selling poetry or wherever, I always will buy the book, no matter what. I just want to support oh, yeah. poetry. And I know that you're like that as well. Same. All the way. Although I'm not out in the street a lot, being unvaccinated and <laughs> being an, a, an extremely old lady. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Now you can. Now you can do donations um, through all these performances. Everybody's asking. I do. For- and, although the most recent thing I want to <laughs> donate to is I want to donate to causes against racism and violence against mm-hmm. Asians. Yep. That's. I used to give a lot of money to the Southern Poverty Law Center, and I still love them. But I want to target more specifically just right now. That's that's cool. I it's timely. Um, I'm I'm a, a teacher. Um, I know elementary school, right? Yeah, and I had all my uh, at the end of the year, um, my first probably five years. Um, I had uh, um, instead of uh, gifts at the end of the year, I had the uh, class donate to Southern Poverty Law Center. Good for you. Nice. I love that organization. I really do. Just right now, after the recent targeted attacks against Asians. I'm, I'm making some choices. Like you can give directly to families. I, I'm just going to try to figure out because I have a little, a little bit to give. 
they must be so, so, so busy. I, I mean, I hear them quoted all the time because there's so many radical groups out there. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they must work all day just trying to identify them. And we really need their help because um, we do. Yeah, some, All of those, of it. some of those groups went mainstream this last three, four years. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, some of those. Yeah. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Carl. Yeah. Some of those groups have been. It's given. normalized. All that fringe stuff is just. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's, yeah, you wonder why mainstream GOP politicians don't like the Southern positive. You know, they criticize it or. I was I reading an article in the New Yorker about the death of the GOP. Cool. Actually, well, I mean, obviously it's just posited as a, a future thing that might happen, but the, the, they've gone it, yeah. just so right wing and the so hole. fascist. Yeah. Anti-democratic now, essentially. Uh, I would say so. Yeah, they're all about poning the libs. This is the most political episode i think we've done yet we keep getting we keep saying this is not a political podcast and then in that pocket we just get more and more political and you know what i'm good with it yeah i'm good with it yeah i'm good with it yeah we're we're, we're very talk about what we feel blame us you know what we know and i think that's why i was so excited what was the first thing i had you play was it I think it was a hundred thousand poems, a poet's thing, wasn't it? Did I put you on that, or was it poetry, prose, and pines? I, um, yeah, I think it was that. And then, then we did uh, the Cirque too, and then again, Tom Crean played with us there, and that was just a wild, wild night. He's such a madman. I love him. <laughs> yeah, we've had some fun times, and <laughs> and even uh, on that last uh, podcast. Um, the it's interesting to hear um i like doing um poems um new poems that i'm going to present to carl so one of those poems that was the first time I, i'd ever read it and so going back and listening to that it was really fascinating to hear how i delivered that and it's oh, usually cool. usually after a couple beers too <laughs> that always helps i liked the reaction of the 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 the, the man who came up after you his reaction uh, and listeners, you can go back. It's the uh, season two, I think episode 14 is the last. Season two, episode 14. Yeah, this it, is going to be season two, so, episode so the, 15. So the listeners can can go back and, and check that out. You can hear the reaction of, of the next rather wonderful reader to um, to the Ernest Brute reading. Um, he before, you know, he's basically like about to start reading. And he sort of was beside himself like, whoa, that was really something. Yeah, that That's was going to uh, be a hard act to follow. Carl, that was the uh, Christopher Columbus when I said, what are you so nervous about? Yeah. <laughs> that part there. And I was kind of just pointing at people and I was really getting into that. But and then uh, when I presented that to Carl, um, he threw on some really weird. I think it's like it's like a fluorescent light bulb hum. Oh, and it, it kind of awesome. sounds like you're in a in a almost like I don't know if I feel like you're in this really concrete walls maybe a hospital or, or there, there's oh, some yeah. interrogation, interrogation room or something oh <laughs> you know what when you're in an er and and they finally let you in back in the exam room and then you realize it's gonna be that interminable weight <laughs> and then those bright bright bulbs that's yeah. what it makes me that was of. the tone of the poem exactly <laughs> and, and you're uh, just in there and you're like this is never gonna end and the doctor is never coming <laughs> 
concluded the Indian Sea Christopher Columbus's ships as they approached. Why couldn't the Indian Sea Christopher Columbus's ships as they approached? Didn't the frequencies enter their pupil, get projected upside down on the back of the eye, and travel by electrical signal through the optic nerve to the brain? What did the brain do? Fail to register the sight? Ignore the signals like the nerves sometimes do. When exposed to a rotten smell like garbage. When an itchy sweater continues to touch the skin. When nerves are exposed when chewing food with broken teeth after a night of grinding, grinding. Grinding. What are you so nervous about? Your home? Your kids? Your personal health and well-being? When you enter a freezing cold room, fluorescent lights humming. If you don't mind, I'd like to tell you about one more um, Please piece that tell we did. Us about yeah, it was everything. I was uh, I had a back surgery, and and I'm dinging. Wow, wow, that's inspiring. Um, I had back surgery, and I was put in an MRI machine. When was this? Uh, this was about ten years ago. Okay. I was going to say, uh, I, I feel like a terrible friend if I never I was like, oh no. <laughs> no, you didn't know this me. I'm all I'm I'm all back to normal now. Looks uh, like it. Um, so I was inside of a um, an MRI machine, and the um, they said, "What type of music would you like?" And they ran down like three types, and they all sounded terrible. But they said, cla cla cl "I thought they said classical," but I Clavicle guess it's classic. Music. Classic. So now I'm oh. inside the MRI so machine. It's Van Halen. What's that? So it was Van Halen. No, it was well. I did this. Was they, they were playing um, Phil Collins? And it was in the air. Ew! You know, it, <laughs> oh but that no! Was just, that was one of the pieces I remembered. Everything it was so bad. So the the Ew. racket, the racket inside of the MRI machine was just jarring, and um, oh. and I was in listening to Phil Collins, and at the same time I was trying to meditate. I was I was chanting Om, and as soon as I. I was out of the MRI machine. I go, yep, that's a piece. 
So right, I right. sat down at the table. I go, Carl, get the music to Phil Collins, find a um, MRI oh machine sound effects, and I'm going to just ohm. And he looped the ohm. So it sounds like this one continuous uh, a breath. Do of, like, you have that available? Yeah, that's on one of our that. EPs. Hey, so, super, super, super. Yeah. I want to hear that. That's hey, amazing. I had, an, I had an MRI experience uh, a couple of years back, too. And they also offered me like a bunch of channels and I selected the one that I thought would be the least offensive. I don't remember what it was, but then I get into the machine and there was no music playing in the little earphones. And so I just listened to, I just listened to the machine. Yeah. It's, it's actually yeah. cool, right? I love yeah, the drone. listening. Yeah. I love listening to all the words, hums, clicks. Motor machine buzzes. music. Yep. We read. Well, metal machine music, I suppose. But in this I case, mean, yeah. Metal. But I, I, actually, I always misspeak. I love the sound of, of an MRI. It's It, it was a, a terrific experience. And I'm so glad they didn't pump like Led Zeppelin <laughs> into my earphones. Phil Collins. <laughs> oh, Phil. Oh. Pearl. I'm yeah. sorry. But what it, it, it did, like when we edited it together, the two, like the drone of the machine and then the sort of drone of the music kind of, they actually kind of went together and yeah, the timing yeah. sort of worked out with all the clicks and the extra sounds. So.
and we'll be back in just a moment. Hey Elizabeth, I don't even know what to say about Meet for Tcast. I'm a fan of you guys and I want you to keep going forever. Your conversations are fun but serious at the same time. It's so informative to be listening to you guys. It's so chilled out that it makes me want to relax and just listen. I could go on and on about you guys. You guys are the best and not just you know in the whole music thing it's just like how you have your conversations and how you build up these questions and how many turns it takes from there oh, i just love it so just please never stop recording because i don't know what i do without you guys and welcome back no i could see that actually being really cool yeah although i misheard you initially and i think clavicle music could be a cool theme i'm down can we do it for the fluxus dinner uh, yes clavicle music the clavicle fluxus music dinner. clavicle, clavicle music. music i love it awesome. i think it has to happen clavicle Pearl. clavicle music fluxus dinner four-way pinky swear and death of the gop it's coming together <laughs> it's, it's coming just together it's, sure. it's really turning into a solid piece <laughs> i thought you were talking about claves yeah not yet not yet <laughs> so carl what nature of historian are you tell me about that oh i i mean i've studied classical music i'm a trained uh i mean i have a graduate degree in composition which is sort of centered nice. on western classical music but you know I've, I've got a pretty varied background with different kinds of music so it's sort of a but so music that's sort of where I come from. What I realize is like that there's, I, I just think of, I don't know. I mean, I think of Bartok as an experimental musician and Beethoven as an experimental musician. And um, like you mentioned, Pauline Oliveros, that sort of came later to me. Like when I got really interested in the Indian harmonium, it, I just felt I'd always known her work a lot. And then I got obviously in the last few years more into drone music. And I've always been really into melody and counterpoint and harmony and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it took me a little while to really appreciate more ambient drone experimental stuff in that, in that, in that way. And, um, but I, I'm really drawn to her music, especially that she was drawn to the sort of sound of those reed, you know, like a reed instrument, like I'm doing now with the Indian harmonium, just some, something really elemental about it. It just really like pulls you back sort of like, a just just reminds you to sort of be back in touch with sounds in general you know you know i i use digital things so much and even notate my music with finale and on on uh, digital software and you forget that like a whole note isn't a whole note you know it's just it's nice to kind of get back in touch with the elemental sounds that's something that the harmonium has really done for me especially this past year and that's why i i really wanted to write that book too it just felt like a just very personal thing and uh yeah I don't know Thank what, you for I, that. I got no, on I that subject, get my hands but. on that. So, um, what brought you to the heart? So, you're a classically trained musician, yeah. a master's degree in musicology and music history. And what brought you to the harmonium? And what did you play prior to harmonium? Uh, mostly guitar and piano. I actually started in music as a as a as a choir boy. I was a boy soprano in the Texas Boys Choir at a young. I knew we had things in common. <laughs> oh, really? I was in the Worcester Concert Choir as a twelve year old as a mezzo soprano. Oh, nice. How long were you in that? 
group for? Um, just two years yeah. because my parents moved every two years. Yeah. I think it was my parents saw I was interested in music and I, and, um, so I picked up piano around the same time, like seven or eight, but then I started singing with the boys choir and that was a huge Your boys choir. Which, which boys choir? Uh, I was in Texas at the time, the Texas boys choir. It's still a, still a, I mean, they were, they were founded, I think in the 1940s or fifties. I was in the group in the 1980s. Yeah, they're and, venerable. Uh, yeah. We now at the time it was just soprano alto voices. So I was in the group from the age of eight to about 13 when my voice changed, but now they have a school, like a boarding school and it goes all the way up through high school. Um, yeah, it was a great, great experience. I learned the whole, all sorts of different kinds of music and, um, you know, it was sort of at a young age. <laughs> Also, I had to learn a lot of music, like memorize and um, yeah, learned everything by ear through ear training, solfege and sight singing. Same. And um, so melody has always been a big part of it. But also just I was exposed to all the sort of repertoire of classical music and Broadway and pop music at that time. And um, so, yeah, that was a that was a huge. Now I'm kind of nostalgic for it for a while. You know, I hit adolescence and sort of went poo pooed it. But it was really just crucial, I think, for. I, I, I liked my concert choir years. Yeah. I, Benjamin, we, we had to sing some Benjamin oh, Britton. Yeah. That, that really hit my ear. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, in Stravinsky, a good way. Britton. We sang a lot of Britton and um, yeah, 20th Century. Verity's Requiem, which is a weird thing to do when you're 12. We did, uh, I did the Symphony of Psalms by Stravinsky with the Dallas Symphony when awesome. I, was, I was like 11. And it's, I still remember like, oh, wow. learning the piece and just, you know, the, I don't know if you know that piece, but the, you know, singing the alto or something parts and just when you learn it's it's sort of uh i think it was written in the 20s but it's it's sort of neo, it's sort of like the orf you know like carmina barana style sort of uh, the the melodies are very kind of small they're just like very small intervals like one or two notes you know there's not a lot going on so you learn the parts like by themselves but then i remember putting it all together you know with the orchestra we learned our parts and then going to the you know hear it with the full full group with the other voice mm -hmm. and everything so yeah, I don't know why I'm talking about that, but those are. <laughs> so no, no I'm, I'm glad that you are. I love memories. that. Yeah, and um, you know, my my cousin was an American boys choir yeah. singer, so this this concert choir. Oh, you had my full attention. Runs, Believe me. Yeah, we went, deep. but we went on tour. I was uh, we did a tour of Japan for four or five weeks when I was nine or ten or eleven, I think, and so uh, yeah, that stuck with me. I've been thinking about that a lot the last few years. That stuff, it, it's it's weird. Like you look back on it. And there is a phase where you do poo-poo it, but then you look back on it and you're like, wow, that was really deep yeah. informative. Yeah. And I'm so grateful. Just the exposure to all the kinds of music that now is with me. <laughs> it was really a big part of that. Uh, it opens your ears up. Yeah. Yeah. And which came first? Was it piano before other instruments um, or was it guitar first? Probably piano. And then when I hit middle school, it was all guitar, like Van Halen. And, you know, it was like right in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Eddie Van Sweet. Halen. Carl, Carl was a mess. Hammer on, Eddie hammer Cap. on. Yeah, I was a little metalhead in the 80s. And uh, yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> I got obsessed with guitar and, um, you know, all the typical guitar player magazines. And um, then got into high school. How you get the chicks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it worked out all right. <laughs> It worked out great, Carl. <laughs> it worked out okay. Yeah, I, so I chose wrong because in, in the 80s, I was a synthesizer guy. And, and yeah. That's how you don't get the chicks. The, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out well, for you too, Mark. Yeah, well, I actually, I did okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. I was into that too. Yeah. Let's, 
No, I ha- I had the new wave hair. <laughs> well, it wasn't well, new wave. It's just it's more punk rock hair. He just had the full like shave side <laughs> just up. I still remember. You remember like when Queen records on the inside of the album cover, the the liner notes. They would say no synthesizers were used in the recording of this. Album. Like yeah, Queen records so from like funny. the seventies. <laughs> so proud of their. <laughs> Then of course, no, anything yeah. fake. Yeah. And then McCartney comes out with the temporary uh, secretary in 1980 and, and just says, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Do you know that piece? No. From McCartney 2? Oh, no. my God. All right. McCartney 2, his second self-titled. He's got three now. He just put one out last year. Yeah. But his, his second self-titled solo record, McCartney 2, in 1980, I, for some reason, hadn't heard this until maybe a year or two ago. Hmm. But which is weird because I'm kind of a big Beatles fan, but temporary secretary go Great listen name, to it. All right. Yeah, it is. It is the one of the weirdest things you if you heard it without knowing who it was. I really well, maybe maybe you would know it was McCartney, but I wouldn't. Hmm. It's weird and it's wonderful and kind of creepy. <laughs> I was so surprised he actually didn't do more of that kind of stuff. I don't know. Well, he has done, what was the album you gave me? Liverpool Sound Collage. Yeah. Liverpool Sound Collage is rad. No, some of his classical, he sort of dabbled in some classical stuff too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, you think about with all the resources, it's, you know, what he could do anything. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, once you're sir. Yeah. Just how do you choose to spend your time at that point is what that is. Yeah. yeah. Carl, I want to find out how you feel about Eric Satie. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite. I just, uh. Yeah, I, that that's that that always like I don't know I don't talk about it. I just did it. Well, I teach a music theory cycle uh, currently, oh, and nice. last year I did when we went online. I had to kind of re redo my lesson plans. I did a whole thing, I did a whole thing on Satie and like really. I mean, I knew I've always known a lot about him. I always loved him, but something really I cut, love him so something much. really like finally clicked with the whole you know the lineage with the influence of on Cage and the avant garde part of it mm-hmm. I, I started i consider him one of the first experimental musicians oh, like absolutely. maybe after beethoven yeah that's what i mean i think he's much more uh i don't know he's he's really the father of all of it i think you know i think Cade, i think, he I think Cade was great about it and i sort of see it more and more as i get older um yeah i mean i've always loved his music it sort of checks all the boxes of classical music it's pretty it's you know it's uh beautiful but i just was fascinated i never thought about like the gymnopathy how, you know, like the three movements are just sort of like the same piece rewritten three different ways. Rewritten. So, so that's very radical for classical music, which is all about contrast and development with with different movements. So he's the first to kind of take a piece of classical music and make it like an object that you sort of look at from different angles, sort of. And I just, which is why they called it furniture music, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So all the you know, I used to take umbrage at that, but then I realized they were talking about it as something you could actually examine. Yeah, yeah. He's the OG remixer. <laughs> yeah, and the, the vexations. The, the, um, no CMs are my favorite to play. Yeah. I love the no CMs. So you play some of his music? Like you play yourself? Oh, I, I play Sati. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm a classically it's also trained nice piano it is, girl. Yeah, I'm out of practice right now. It's very accessible, but it's also, you know, it's, it's not too virtuosic. It's, you know, playable for sure. Yeah. It, it's playable, but it's also... Um, it's not particularly rewarding because I think if you, if when you do perform it, it sounds like the most simple shit ever. Yeah. So people don't realize like 
how hard you work on subtlety and tempo yeah. and everything? Because it sounds like dead ass easy. <laughs> and on the page, it doesn't look like much too. It's that's sort of the minimalist part of his music too. He's well, he's also such a dick. Like yeah. for the no Sam, <laughs> he doesn't give you any measures. You've got to work out the time signature for yourself. Yeah. And yeah. then his playing advice is like, open your head. Right. And with perspicacity. Yeah. And you're just supposed to figure out what to do with that. <laughs> That's great. So he's kind of a dick about that. Yeah. It's sort of challenging. Which I appreciate. Challenging all the conventions for sure. With the, and so open, open your head. That's sort of like predicting like yeah. white rabbit or something. Yeah. And well, this is like 1923. Yeah. It's sort of a punk rocker of, yeah. The, that he's era. a weird little bird. Yeah. And you've probably read all the stories about his his apartment. But, uh, I, I read a lot about him. Yeah. Um, he was an odd little man. Yeah. He he died a virgin in a garret. Panelist is the story I heard. Yeah. He apparently admired women, but never really quite worked up the courage to speak with them. I think early on he had a a, a broken heart over someone that. Uh, there's some story about a, a piece that has like tear drops on it or something. I forget what it is. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard that. <laughs> Time to get up, over but... shit, dude. Yeah. That happens to us yeah. all. But I like that he, you know, they they found in his apartment. He used to wear. He went through a period where he's the velvet gentleman. He just wore the same suit every day, like a velvet red suit. That like, must have so. smelled great. And then, so they found like in his apartment, he had like twelve outfits, the same outfit, and then a. So I think of Cage, like in his late years, wearing all that denim stuff. I think it was sort of like a similar act. <laughs> I, know, maybe. I think so. Uh, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I always think of, when, when I think of a visual artist analog to Eric Satie, I think of Joseph Cornell. Mm. Mm. The, they both just like resonate on the same wavelength to me. Yeah. yeah. Just that really shy man that had a really awkward relationship with women, but obviously loved them. But yeah kind of died alone and pretty much virginal yeah. produced such an amazing creative output. Yeah. And he was kind of an amateur too, you know, in a way. But a brilliant oh, amateur yeah. like yeah. Cornell visually is yeah. one of my real idols, just like Sati musically is. Yeah. And everyone respected him. All the, all the bigger composers. Uh, Sati was worthy of respect. Yeah. I wonder if we should. It's hard um, to explain. Uh, just, you know, I think I was, you mentioned, it, I was thinking about, I was presenting him to my students and trying to show this him in this light of just being a very radical artist. And it's sometimes hard to do that with these past figures. <laughs> so. He was a radical. Yeah. He was, um, there's, there's a book. Um, I can't lay fingers on it right now, but it's just like uh, the history of experimental music. And mm -hmm. Eric Satie is classified as the first. Yeah, I think so. Rightfully so. Like if you listen to, um, you know, that piece parade, Mm-hmm. That is wild. Yeah, there the are sirens. There are horns. Yeah. That's you should listen to George mm -hmm. You know, the ballet mechanique. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's sort of all in the, I think, of that time period. Um, I think he was, he wrote that in Paris, too, in the 1920s. So the futurists were doing their thing, too. It was like all in the air. I love that. Yeah. The concept well, with, with, with electronic technology. Yeah. Coming to the fore, it, it influenced, I think, everybody like, oh, well, there's these like these vacuum tubes and radio and 
you know, it's a sort of a new frontier. And I can imagine that must have been an extremely exciting thing to be influenced by at the time. I think even Antile, like his, the Ballet Mechanique was all synchronized player pianos, which they didn't have the technology to do that. So right. So the, the performance fell apart. I mean, he wasn't able to do it in his original vision until I think the 90s was the first time they performed it in the original. Somebody form. did it in the 90s. Yeah, I remember yeah. reading you know about UMass. That and it was because now? They, they now had MIDI technology and they could sync up those MIDI, you know, do it all in MIDI sequencing. And, and oh, yeah, yeah. About it in a way, he had this conceptual idea that was way ahead of its time. The technology wasn't available. Yeah. To do that. You know, I think of Cage the same way with like a prepared piano. It's sort of like a sampler before there was such a thing, you know, in a, in a weird way. Well, our friend Roger Clark Miller has a lot of pieces for a prepared piano. There's actually a new, a new record by a, a more contemporary composer, which is a, a pre prepared piano. I wish I knew his name. I just heard about it on the radio the other day. And it sounded to me initially like a jazz trio, drums, yeah. bass, and piano. But it's prepared and it's piano. it was all pre prepared piano and I I, I was like oh, wait hold on that's, that's that's one person wow that's oh. that's a stand I I've got to look that up it was you got to put that in the links too as well got to put that yeah, yeah got to find that, that in the links. To was it Hauschka does that ring he's a German uh, German artist who's been around for many years uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I, I I couldn't say it went by very quickly and before I was go, I was driving sorry maybe. before <laughs> we go too late. If if you guys do, you guys want to do like a spoken word. And um, I was thinking we could do a, a call and response. I'll, I'll read a poem. Carl can respond. I'll read one more. Fuck, yes. All right. Apparently, we swear on this podcast. If you, no, we do. If you give me, we a, always have to earn our e. Also, do you not feel like this is like? I've been feeling this is the Weimar Republic for years. Like we're in the interwar <laughs> period. And there should be more isms, like they got their surrealism and their fauvism. And I'm, I'm hoping we build our isms too. Fuckism? Jot that one down too. <laughs> build, nice. build our isms. It's hard to know where we are. Build our isms, yeah. not build our, our schisms. Not our, our schisms. All right, Carl, you ready? Uh... Not no. <laughs> Let me, hey, uh, well, while you get ready, give I, me like I, two minutes. I'm going to go get the instrument and just bring it up. It, it's totally cool. We can yeah. we can also edit. We can edit out dead time. This is the first time this sort of live impromptu thing has happened on a podcast. Can you hear me? Oh, listen to that. Can you hear me? The classic tradition of haiku. An anthology. Say when. When. Left side, right side. Left. Pick a number between one and three. Two. The cherry by the well is dangerous for one drunken on wine. Valentine's Day Eve, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's going to work or not. Sounds kind of shoddy. We'll see how it works. If it works, we'll keep it in. If not, we Just won't. Just keep going with that. So what I will say right now is, listeners, either you heard something that worked or you didn't hear something really, really cool that we heard, but it didn't work in terms of an internet recording. So, Or you um, sliced the hell out of that thing and made something work. Or you know what? Maybe it, it, maybe it was not what we intended, but it was just wonderful. I liked glitchy. it. <laughs> Sounded good over here. We loved it. Fluxus art. <laughs> Sounded like it was gl- it was glitchy, but it was cool. This is the year of the glitch. <laughs> oh boy, perfection. Oh 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 oh. Um. This is the season of the glitch. No, Adventure Time. Are you familiar with the cartoon Adventure Time? The glitch. The glitch. A glitch is a glitch. The, the glitch. episode that's called A Glitch is a Glitch. Yeah. Find oh it. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the best pieces of art ever. I like the, uh, I think that's, you know, the pillow fort episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I think yes. it's like in the same, uh, might have been aired on the same the same episodes, I think. Same <laughs> yeah, season, I think, yeah. 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 A glitch is a glitch is one, is one of the best pieces of art ever. Yeah. Well, yeah, we should probably it's, wrap it up. I want I to jump back in, though, just circling back around. That was beautiful, by the way. Thank you so much yeah. for that. It was impromptu and off the cuff. I think it's a first for us on the podcast, actually. Uh, th- th- that was the first thing anything happened like that on the podcast. We, so. we, we've talked Thank about you. we've talked about the ability to record people here here in our, our dining room. Yeah. Live under our flying spaghetti monster, three elephants and an octopus. Yes, which we have, but we haven't been able to do it because since we really got the podcast off the ground, it's kind of been COVID. So, I mean, we've been doing it for longer than a year, but we really haven't had an opportunity to have anybody come into our place and record live. So that was actually the closest we've gotten. And it was great. But I wanted to circle back around clipping. We talked about clipping very briefly and the album that I was referring to that I think is the one that made has made the strongest impression on me is Splendor and Misery. Let me see. Splendor and Misery. Uh, it's it's yeah, sort of about, that. it's about like basically this guy is on a interstellar spacecraft. There is a slavery element. It is very one. intense and it is, Unbelievably beautiful. It was very Colson Whitehead influenced. Oh, perhaps so. I don't know the reference, but I'll take your word. Literary for it. influence. Yes, of course. <laughs> Jim knows the influence. I'll have to uh, revisit that one. I think I, what's the one? I, there existed an addiction to blood, is I think the one I have. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've heard that one yeah. too. It's, I'm uh, not sure if I own that Underground one. Underground Railroad, the first Colson Whitehead. Just that title alone is uh, worthy. I haven't heard anything by them that I haven't liked, so there's that. But that was the one that made the strongest impression on me. So, yeah. We, Before we say goodnight, yeah. which we should do soon. Yes, we should. I want you guys to engage in some extraordinarily shameless self-promotion. Where can people find your work online? We know Bandcamp, but what is the Bandcamp? And where... Where can people buy snuff box physical art materials? Oh, yeah. Because you've been making shitloads of them, as I have seen on the IG. Yeah, so uh, snuff box is on Facebook and IG, or IG now, I guess. and um, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, it's SNFF. How do you spell it, Jim? Yeah, no vowels. SNFFBX. Yeah. And uh, I love that. I just throw 
images up there all the time that excite me. But when I do uh, have shows, I post them on there and promote them. I have a a show right now that's uh, a piece of uh, work by uh, a Hartford artist, or he's he's in Middletown now, Adam Viennes. And uh, he has a painting that I hung up in the middle of the woods, and it's up for one year exactly. That's amazing. And it's in a undisclosed location. And it's, uh, I just, I hung it up on uh, January 1st. And I'm going to go back on January 1st and take it down. <laughs> and so uh, I do weird shows like that. And uh, I love that. And the <laughs> so, box so where can bundle. I go see this painting in person? What, uh, 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 <laughs> You'll never find it. I try, I try to do weird things on the snuff box. And uh, oh, so cool. thank you for the weird things in the snuff box. I am grateful for them. <laughs> thank you. And uh, Ernest Brute and Object Echo, uh, we're on Facebook and um, we uh, have a YouTube page where we have posted tons and tons of videos. Um, most of those are all Carl's work and live videos. And uh, we have all um, hodgepodge of just really weird, weird stuff. And uh, cool, and there's cool, some Cirque cool. uh, in there. There's a Cirque in there too. There's a Tom Crean one. And our band camp, uh, which again, Ernest Brute and Object Echo has, uh, like I said, seven of our EPs. And we just uh, finished two more and they're going to be mixed and hopefully uh, put out in the next few months. So Sweet. Just keep so all of our listeners should support these people doing their cool rad ass shit. <laughs> and I'll say Bandcamp things like Bandcamp, you know, we're we're the vast majority of the money goes to the artists are kind of the coolest things right now. So mm-hmm. yeah. And did you want to say anything else? We loved having you guys. Do you feel like we did it? Did we cover all the shit? Um, there's one more thing. Do it. We haven't covered. And this is the Bring part it. where you just, you cut me off right there. And that's how you end the show. So uh, <laughs> this is the most important thing right here. And I just want everybody to know it. It's that. <laughs> and that's it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Love yeah. you guys. Thank Love you, thank you so much for being here. Great. Thank you. Thanks for talking to us. Wonderful. That was rad. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. I think I'll go find one of those like record scratch noises and put it in there. That'll be, that'll be it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all. We thank will you. implement that. Thank well, thank you so, much, thank you so much for being part of our, our world so and everything. And this is how we hang out with our friends in COVID times. That's, That's why we have a podcast. Time. So you know. <laughs> hey, we'll be working on a Fluxus dinner and uh, we'll be in touch. Yeah. I'll probably see you actually Saturday. Yeah, assuage my guilt. Oh, yes, yes, perhaps so. We'll see you soon. Yep. yep. But thank you all for being part of the Meat for Tea cast and we'll. Uh, well, be healthy, stay safe, keep creating. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. you. <laughs> Have a good night, guys. Good night. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Be well, folks. Peter and the Wolf. Act one. Scene one. Start. Insurance monthly premium $432.76. My new health insurance monthly premium under Obamacare $2. And same or similar coverage in copays. Vastly better. Come over. I'll tell you. 
Omar Alexander's Buddha. John Barrasso is Buddha. Marsha Blackburn is Buddha. Blunt is Buddha. John Boozman is Buddha. Langford is Buddha. 
Mitch McConnell is Buddha. Martha McSally is Buddha. Jerry Moran is Buddha. Lisa Murkowski is Buddha. Rand Paul is Buddha. David Perdue is Buddha. Rob Portman is Buddha. Jim Rish is Buddha. Pat Roberts is Buddha. Mike Rounds is Buddha. Mitt Romney is Buddha. Marco Rubio is Buddha. Ben Sass is Buddha. Rick Scott is Buddha. Tim Scott is Buddha. Richard Shelby is Buddha. Dan Sullivan is Buddha. John Thune is Buddha. Tom Tillis is Buddha. Pat Toomey is Buddha. Roger Wicker is Buddha. Todd Young is Buddha. Wasn't that amazing? Aren't you glad you stuck around till the very, very end so you didn't miss even one riveting second? That's what you got to do. Every meat for TCAST, stick around to the very end. And then the other thing you've got to do, if you really, really liked it, is engage with us. Make a review in Apple Podcasts with writing, please. Tell us what you're cooking for dinner tomorrow. Uh, you can also reach out to us via 
email, the meetfortcast at gmail.com address. Uh, you can leave a voice message on anchor.fm forward slash meetfortcast. We had a special, a nice one that was on the last episode. Are we going to play that again on this episode? Yeah, I think we'll probably run it somewhere throughout uh, Maybe in the break or something. Maybe you've already heard it if you're listening to this now. Your voice can be on the Meet for Tea cast too, and we'd love to hear from you. Is there a Cirque that you were unable to attend or one which you did attend that you're now feeling nostalgic for that we haven't reprised in the podcast? Odds are good. We've got a recording of it. Let us know. Is there an author, artist whose work you've been admiring in past issues of Meat for Tea, who we've not brought on for a chat, and you'd like to hear what they have to say. We can make that happen. you got to let us know, though, because one thing we're not. Mind readers? We're not. Sorry. I, I knew you were going to say that. I read your mind. <laughs> the, or it was obvious. Yeah, I know. It was obvious. <laughs> obvious, obvious is obvious. What is maybe not so obvious is you can also... Leave us a voice message by recording it on your phone or laptop and emailing it to meetfortcast at gmail.com. And we may just uh, feature you in an upcoming episode. We also uh, have a Facebook page and uh, you can engage with us over there if you'd like. We'll, we'll read reviews we like to on air. We've, you may have noticed we've been doing that. Yep. If you want to support us, you can go to meetfortea.com and click on the donate page or subscribe to the magazine or buy an individual issue or a PDF of any back issue or current issue that we have. PDFs are only $5 and the issues are, in average, about 140 pages long. So that's quite a bit of bang for your five bucks. And every every little bang helps us over here. So we appreciate all everybody's support. And there's been a lot of it recently. We're very grateful. So thank you all for being part of the Meat for Tea thing. And I guess we'll see you next time. Sayonara, sweeties. The Meat for Tea cast is produced by Elizabeth McDuffie and Meat for Tea, The Valley Review. Mixed by Mark Allen Miller at Sewn Lab, East Hampton, Massachusetts. Visit Meat for Tea at www.meatfortea.com. Please consider going to anchor.fm to make a contribution through our contribution page. You can reach us through meetforteacast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash meetforteacast. We welcome suggestions for contents for the Meet for Tea cast. If you've attended a Meet for Tea Cirque and want to hear from one of the bands or one of the spoken word contributors, please let us know. All portions are copyright Meat for Tea and their respective holders. Vote for Meat for Tea on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Elizabeef, Meat for Tea on Instagram, and on the Meat for Tea and Meat for Tea cast Facebook pages. Meat for Tea is available everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. <laughs>